Pastor Chris's podcast. Over the next couple of months, I want to preach a series of messages about the basics of what it means to be Christian. And specifically, of course, we are going to focus on the beliefs of Christians from a Methodist perspective. We're a Methodist church, after all. Pleasant Grove began as a Methodist congregation over 100, I think it was over 170 years ago. I know the church wasn't founded. Um, that, you know, it was founded in the late 1800s, I believe. It's on the sign right over there, established. It's engraved in granite. But the history of the community actually shows that there were people here meeting before there was even a church. Um, it's named Pleasant Grove because they didn't have a building, but instead met under the shade of the grove of trees. It was a good place for them to meet. And actually, there were other groups of Christians that were meeting as well in the area. There were a group of Baptists that were meeting. Those uh, Baptists eventually formed Grove Level, and the Methodists that were meeting in the area eventually formed our church. But they uh, were groups, different groups that were meeting. Actually, the Baptist, I was just reading the history of Pleasant Grove Elementary School, and they, the Baptists that were meeting in the area and the Methodists were meeting in the area got together and worked together and cooperated to establish what was originally called Shady Grove. Uh, it was just Shady Grove School, eventually to become Pleasant Grove Elementary School. And so the school that's right there was right here. And, and the Baptists and the Methodists loved each other and cooperated with each other to do that and to establish that um, so they could do things together. But they also recognized that there was a difference um, between Baptists and Methodists. There were different ways of doing things, of believing and operating a church. And so it was needed that there would be two different groups. And our spiritual ancestors... Uh, established our church, we're Methodist, and we are Methodist as well. And Methodist Christians believe the Bible is God's word. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Well, I want to read to you from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Hear the word of God. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Paul wrote these words to Timothy near the end of Paul's life. Timothy was a young Christian leader, part of the new generation that was coming along to carry on God's work, and Paul was Timothy's spiritual mentor. By the time Paul wrote these words, Christianity had grown and spread across a vast Roman Empire. What started out as the beliefs of a relatively small group of Jews in Palestine had spread south to Egypt, east to Parthia, north to Turkey, 
and west to Greece and Rome. It was a religion rooted firmly in the traditions and scriptures of the Jewish faith. But it was also the fastest growing religion of non-Jews. Such diversity and rapid growth brought the danger of bad teachings. Sometimes the results of inexperienced and uninformed teachers, not necessarily any ill, Ill intent, it's just that things were happening and spreading so fast that they were calling on people who not necessarily had the training that they needed to get the job done well. But then there were also sometimes false teachers who sort of insinuated their way into the Christian group who hoped to use the new religion for their own personal gain. So this was a, a problem in the early church as it spread so quickly and so far. Paul wrote to his young apprentice, Timothy, to warn him. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul said, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. And he goes on to talk about some of those challenges. And he warns about the evil attitudes of people that are creeping into the world and even the false teachers that are corrupting or trying to corrupt the church of Christ. Paul tells Timothy to remain true to the scriptures. He says, you know what the scriptures say. You know who have taught you them and you've trusted them. Remain faithful. And today we must guard ourselves and the church from going astray, from drifting away from the truth of God's word. The Bible is God's word. Paul says that all scripture is inspired by God. The Greek word that he originally used is theopnostus which means God breathed. In other words, God breathed life and spirit and wisdom into the Holy Scriptures. The breath of God is sacred and powerful. It breathes life into existence. You may recall from the very beginning of the Bible, way back in the first chapter of Genesis, God created the universe. And the way Genesis describes it, it says that he spoke and things happened. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be a sun and the moon and the stars and the sky. And so we look up in the heavens and we see these things. They came to be by the word of God. And in the story in the second chapter of Genesis, in the seventh verse, God brought Adam to life by breathing into his nostrils. In the same way, the words of Scripture are inspired by the breath of God. There's something mysterious and sacred about the breath of God speaking words that bring life. Scripture is God's word speaking to us bringing truth and life when we have faith. 
Originally, when Paul wrote this to Timothy, they only had the Jewish Bible, what we call the Old Testament. There was no New Testament yet when Paul wrote these words. It wasn't until later that Christians came to include more writings from Christian sources into the authoritative collection of the holy God-inspired scriptures. And so then it came to be that we have the Holy Bible. Those early Christians started out using the Old Testament as their Bible, but then the gospel writers wrote down the life of Christ and the good news about him, and that was included in the scriptures. And the letters of Paul and the letters of James and John and Peter and the great apocalypse of Revelation were all added to the scriptures because those Christians heard the Holy Spirit telling them these were writings that are full of God's authority. You need to cherish them. You need to trust them. You need to follow them. And so now we have the Holy Bible, which Methodists accept as the Old and New Testaments. The United Methodist official book of discipline says that Scripture is the primary source and criterion for Christian doctrine. Through Scripture, the living Christ meets us in the experience of redeeming grace. Our standards affirm the Bible as the source of all that is necessary and sufficient unto salvation and is to be received through the Holy Spirit, as the true rule and guide for faith and practice. And so we believe that both the Old and the New Testament of the Bible are the inspired word of God that contain everything necessary and sufficient for our salvation. This is a sacred book that God has preserved and uses to speak to us and to lead us into truth and salvation through Jesus Christ. The Bible is the final word for everything we do as a church and what we aspire to, how we inspire to live as individual Christians. And this is a, this holy, sacred book has changed the world so much. No book has had the influence that Holy Scripture has. The very act of reading and writing, something that we as Americans take for granted, was propelled by the Word of God. Thousands of years ago, as Hebrew, the Hebrews gathered around in the synagogues and in the temples to worship the one true living God, They lived in a time when the vast majority of people living on earth could not read or write. But those early Jews believed that God's text was sacred and that to be able to read it and understand it was something to be valued and cherished. And so they taught their children how to read and write so that they could read God's word. And the Scribes copied and preserved those manuscripts, handing them down from generation to generation, understanding that the materials that they wrote the Word of God on would not last forever. 
paper and leather deteriorate over time. And so they had to be copied again and again and again. The fact that we have books that you can go to, do they still have Barnes and Nobles? <laughs> They're out there. Or you can go on Amazon and you can buy a book. And it's relatively cheap to do it. All of that came to be because of the Holy Bible. The Gutenberg printing press, uh, which was invented, I think, in the 1500s or the 1600s. The very first book that came off of it was the Bible. They wanted to be able to print the Bible and create copies Numerous copies that could be spread across the land so that people could read God's word. The idea of studying and learning comes from the, the Christian faith and the Jewish faith that we believe that we need to be able to study God's word and learn about it. This is values that are cherished. The word of God that this Bible contains has shaped our modern world and helped transmit to us the ideas that we cherish, such as sacrificial love, even things that are hard, like loving your enemies, and that all people are created equal in the image of God. These things were preserved and passed down to us by the word of God. And so that people today, even those who do not trust the Bible anymore or believe in the God who created us and gave us the Bible, even people who don't accept that, Benefit because of the values it has shared with us. God gave us the Bible, but God also gave us a brain. And one of the things I love about the Methodist church is that we are encouraged to use our God-given intelligence to understand the scripture. We may read a scripture that really challenges us, and so we ask questions. What is this really saying? What does this really mean? Does it really mean what I think it means? And it can be tempting for people to just accept a passage at face value. And sometimes it, think, it seems that that, sometimes that is the way it should be accepted. And sometimes it seems like it should be the way it should be accepted. But Methodists understand that Scripture is over 2,000 years old. And they were written often for specific audiences at specific times on special occasions. And so we have to take all of that into consideration. And we also understand that the poetic Psalms are different than the history books of Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. And so they must be read differently. You don't read a poem for literal instructions the way you might read a history and you might read a, a literal law book in a different way than you would read a poet, a poem. The letters of Paul were written to specific groups of people to address very specific problems. And so we must take these things into account. We don't just read the Bible uncritically. Furthermore, the Bible is not primarily a weapon that we use to prove that we are right and everyone else is wrong. At its core, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, the Holy Bible is useful 
to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. It is so much easier and more comfortable to point out everyone else's faults than to look at yourself. But the Bible convicts us personally, first and foremost. We have to be careful that we let it be a mirror that shows us what we need to fix in ourselves before we quickly jump to pointing out what everyone else needs to do. As Jesus said, be sure to get the log out of your own eye before you worry about the speck in your neighbor's. We must be willing to humble ourselves before the word of God. The natural rebellious state of the human heart always wants to justify itself. We will either look for a verse in the Bible to prove that we are right, or on the other end of the spectrum, we will disregard the Bible and we will say it's outdated and it's no longer relative to our modern lives. But the Methodist way with Scripture must be the middle way between the two extremes. It takes Scripture very seriously because it is the Holy Word of God. But taking it seriously also means studying it and delving into it and understanding it and listening to what God is saying to us today. And taking it seriously also means humbling ourselves before God and obeying his word in the Bible, even when it runs counter to what mainstream opinions in our culture say. After all, it was scripture that led the Martin Luther King Jr. to fight for civil rights, even though it was against popular opinion. Even though he met great resistance, even though most people in society at the time were saying that he was not a good person because of the ideas that he was peddling. And he was arrested and he was beaten and ultimately he was killed because he followed the word of God. He would not turn away from it. And this is just one example from 2,000 years of Christian history Whenever Christians have been faithful to the word of God, we have made the world a place of light, a place that is better. But whenever we have turned away from the word of God in favor of the status quo that society tells us is right, we have only helped perpetuate evil in our world. People are prone to be ignorant. And what society finds acceptable today will change. 
tomorrow. It changes all the time. But God's people don't follow the edicts of society. We build our lives upon the solid rock of God's word. I want to close today's message with a challenge for you. I challenge you to take God's word seriously. I challenge you to read your Bible every day. Some of you are already doing this. You have found your particular routine that works for you as you read scripture. Some read a chapter every day. Some use a devotional that includes scripture and that's what works for them. But others need a challenge to help get you started. So I want to be specific in my challenge, if you would accept it. There are 12 weeks between today and Easter Sunday. I challenge you to read the book of Genesis and then the Gospel of Matthew between now and Easter. There are 50 chapters in the book of Genesis. It's a, a, a really incredibly interesting book. You will enjoy reading it, I think. It, there will be some things in there that will make you scratch your head and think, what in the world? But I think it's a fun story to read as well as something that will really bless you. 50 chapters in Genesis, and there are 28 chapters in Matthew. That equals 78 chapters, and there are 84 days between now and Easter. So that gives you six days to spare. Would you read a chapter a day from those books between now and Easter? And as you do, I challenge you to listen for God's word to you. What do you need to change in your life? What is God's word saying to you about what you need to do? This is my challenge. Would you accept it?